Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In 2 Kings 5.1, listen to what the Bible says. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Does It Have to Make Sense to You for You to Do It? Let me say again, does it have to make sense to you for you to do it? Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for your word, God, and I pray now you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you, that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray you'd teach us from your word by your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would guide us and teach us what you'd have us to know, Lord. Encourage our faith. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts in a tangible way. Glorify yourself in us, through us, and by us is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Just the title alone ought to prompt your mind to... Get ready for what God has to say. See, for a lot of people, it has to make sense for them to do it. There are different types of personalities um, that God has wired us up to be. You don't have to be anyone other than the person God made you. You you need to be the best version of the person God made you. You need to be the godliest version of the person God made you. But some people are just quicker to act and slower to think. Some people are quicker to think and slower to act. In the uh, phrase, ready, aim, shoot, there, there are different personalities seen in that. When you are on a firing range, you should get ready, you should aim, and you should shoot. Some people, based on their personality, they, they, get, to the, they get there and their life is spent like this. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Other people, they get to the firing range, and before they get ready, before they aim, their life's mission is just shoot, 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 shoot. Ready, aim, shoot is the deal. You might be the person who you follow it on point. You get up there, you ready yourself, you aim, and you shoot. Or you may be the type person, are there any to-do list folk in the room? Any to Listen, if you... Put on your to-do list, make a to-do list, you got issues. 
People who make a to-do list to make a to-do list, you just ready, 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 ready. Fire the gun. <laughs> Do something. Now, I had an old man tell me one time, and it, it sounded like great advice to me because it fit my personality. He said, boy, do something even if it's wrong. Just do something. Well, that's not the, I mean, you end up tearing up a bunch of stuff that way. <laughs> you shoot friendlies that way. You, you, you get in a lot of trouble. But for a lot of people that don't think, they live their life messing up a bunch of stuff. But some people can think too much. And when it comes to the way God wants to deal with you, I want you to know it shouldn't have to make sense for you for you to do it. There are many things inside of the kingdom of God that run counterculture to the world. The world says you got to look out for yourself, but God says look out for other people. The world says you got to grab all the gusto you can get. You, you, you got to be up front, large, and in charge. But the Bible says you should prefer others above yourself. The world says save it all up, and the Bible says give it away. So a lot of things that God will tell you to move in an opposite spirit. If you don't get anything out of today, if some of you would just learn to move in an opposite spirit, your life would be better. Because most of us were trained to live the way the world wants us to live. Where if you mess with the bull, you get the what? If you don't start none, they're what? And that's the spirit of the world. That if, if, if you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you back. And, but if you would just learn how to move in an opposite spirit. When, when, you, when someone does something to you and your first response is to just go off on them. See, if they cut you verbally, you just want to destroy them verbally I, I tell you what I believe no matter how much you you like or dislike leaders we are called by God to pray for our leaders one of the things that the world needs to be praying for our current president more than anything is that he learned how to shut up now now don't get me wrong I, I I'm a conservative dude I I I, I have very conservative uh, po politics but here's the thing about our president. If someone says anything against him, he will go on a 900-mile Twitter rant against them. You should not have to defend yourself every time somebody attacks you. That is the spirit of the world. If, if every time someone says something against you, you feel like you got to put out a 12-page document on social media to destroy them, that's not what God would have us to do. Okay? So don't move the way you're First inclination always leans you to move. Learn how to move in an opposite spirit. Because many times, not every time, but many times, that will be more of what God would have you to do. Now, if somebody slaps you in the face, the Bible says to do what? <laughs> I don't think the Bible says that. I'm going to smooth knock them out. You got the wrong one. I ain't that type of Christian. Let's try it again. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, the Bible says that ain't easy. But everything about God ain't easy. Now, Somebody hits you in the face. Common sense says, 
Well, A, if, if you let them hit you in the face, you got slow reaction time. You're not aware of your surroundings really good. Because, you know, somebody starts invading my personal space, first thing I'm going to do is <laughs> a little too close to me right now. I don't know. Thinking about. But I want you to realize today, if you want to be who God wants you to be, you can't always use your brain to figure stuff out. Sometimes you just have to act by faith. And all the time you have to walk in obedience. So we're going to learn some things today about living by faith. We're going to learn some things about obedience through this story of this man called Naaman. And Naaman is an interesting character in the Bible because he's a different kind of leader. He's a different kind of dude. Let's, let's look at what the Bible says in verse 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. So Naaman was the what, according to Scripture? He was the commander of the king's army. But and, and because, be, through Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. So he, he was a great commander. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, I don't know. My kids and I, we, we play some strange games. Seth usually creates most of them uh, asking weird questions. But the question came up on the drive in to church this morning based on some social media meme that was a bathroom just covered in roaches. I mean, not a blank spot on the wall, the sink, the toilet. The sink just had them stacked on top of each other. They were covered everywhere. And the question was, would you stay locked in this bathroom for 24 hours for $75 million? Some of y'all are like, I don't like roaches. Listen, I, I would cut my left arm off for $75 million. We do a lot of ministries. I... I'd cut it off myself with a steak knife. We do a lot of ministry for $75 million. But I don't even know how we got to that roach story. Oh. Although I would sleep in a bathroom covered in roaches for $75 million, I don't want leprosy. If the trade-off was, would you want to be a great, person admired by the king with leprosy, I'm going to encourage you to say no to that. <laughs> leprosy is a horrible disease. I, I told y'all before I met my good friend Matthew Cravilla over 25 years ago, who is our missionary to India, the reason we have the India banner, all those banners represent places where we're financing ministry and friends of ours around the world who are doing great things for God. And Matthew is from India. He's educated in the United States, he went back to India to win India to Christ, and he walks daily in leper colonies. I thought that was ancient world stuff. I thought that was old world. I mean, no one in this room went to school with somebody who had, oh, I went to school with a dude one time. He only had one eye. Well, maybe, but you didn't go to school with a dude that had leprosy probably. But there were a lot of lepers at this time in the earth. Naaman was one of those lepers, and it's a horrible disease that eats you from the inside out. So here's, the, here's the, 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 the reality for us today because the scripture says we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. We don't have leprosy. Most of us don't, I hope. But many of us have things that are eating us from the inside out. Amen. 
Many of us have things on the inside that are creating damage that may or may not be visible yet on the outside. Leprosy started on the inside and it began to attack things. It, it, it would bring red dots on the skin. Eh, you know, red dot on your skin, no big deal, right? But then those red dots would start to spread. Now it's looking like a bigger issue and people around you can notice that. Well, then the red dots turn white and get scaly, and it covers the whole body, and then things start to fall off like fingernails first, and then fingers, and then the gums shrink, and teeth fall out, and then the eyes begin to rot, hair falls out everywhere, and people can see that you are severely messed up with something and then ultimately you die. Well, I don't believe any of us are going to contract leprosy in our life, but we got things on the inside of us that may not even be visible to others yet. And let me tell you something. When your issues on the inside start to be visible to other people on the outside, you're in trouble. When the issues on the inside begin to be visible to people on the outside, you've waited too long to make an adjustment for it, and worse days are coming if you don't do something. So I want you to think about this morning what, what may or may not be eating at you on the inside. It, it says that Naaman was a man that the king admired. He was a mighty warrior. In the King James Version, it says, Now Naaman was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a great man and honorable because... Through him, the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He was a mighty man of valor. This phrase, this terminology is given to four other people in the Bible. All of them were Jews. Only Naaman in the Bible was called a mighty man of valor who was not a Jew. And I love when we find stuff in the Bible that applies to everyone, not just isolated to one group of people. Because if it can apply to everyone, then we fit into the everyone category. What am I telling you today? God can use anyone to do great things. God can use anyone to do great things. Naaman was a great man, a mighty man of valor. He had done great things, but he had big problems. I want you to learn some things this morning. First thing I want you to see is that even great people have problems. Can you believe that? Even great people. Don't think because you have problems that you can't do something great for the Lord. That's what the enemy inside your head wants you to believe. That's what the devil wants you to believe. That's what maybe your mama and father. Anybody think that someone's mother and father may secretly be wanting them to fail? Y'all don't even want to answer that. It happens all over the place. Parents want their kids to fail because parents are all messed up. Kids want their parents to fail because kids are all messed up. People want to put blame and associate bad things on you so you'll feel bad about yourself. I want you to hear this this morning. God loves you, and he says he has a plan for your life. He says that his plan for you is to prosper you, a plan to help you succeed, a plan to give you hope for your future. God wants to do something cool in your life, and what you've messed up does not eliminate your usefulness. Naaman was the type of dude that a lot of people wouldn't even get close to. If Naaman had been Jewish, he wouldn't have even been allowed to live in the king's palace. He wouldn't have even been allowed to come in the king's palace. 
lepers in that day and age that were Jewish had to live outside the city and had to stay away from people because it was a contagious disease. I don't get how these Syrians just decided, let this contagious dude walk around with everybody, but they didn't have the same laws that the Jews had. And even this mighty man of valor, this great man, had done great things. You need to understand, even great people have problems. Everybody has strengths. Everybody has weaknesses. I just pointed out uh, uh, the president's weakness. The president also has strengths. Senators have weakness. They have strengths. Kings have weakness. They have strength. You and I have weakness, and we have strength. So we've got Naaman, awesome in so many ways, but he's got this problem. I want you to know no matter what you are or what you've been going through, you're going to have problems. No matter how much victory you've had, you're going to have problems. It always blows me back when I see proud young people. Proud young, pride and youth should not go together. What have they accomplished? Yeah. I mean, now everybody's not going to raise their kids the way I raise my kids. My children know they're not allowed to open their door or close their door because they realize they don't have a door. They live in my house. That's my door. And I promise you, if they ever closed it when I told them to open it or open it when I told them to close it, I'd just take it off the hinge and put it in the garage. Next step, I take them to the orphanage. But we don't have to go that far. <laughs> you got you, 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 you got a young people and pride. You got these 12 and 13-year-olds shooting people. Walking around saying, well, I ain't going to be disrespected. Now, you're not going to speak proper English is what you're not going to do, but disrespect is something you might deserve. Pride should not be in the life of a believer. And people that are overly proud and, and think that they've done too many great things are not probably going to be used of God. But somebody who's all messed up with all types of issues with a horrible past or even a horrible right now, through their humility, position themselves to be able to be used by God for great things. Now here Naaman is a different kind of dude because he is a great, mighty, honorable man. The king looks up to him. The king admires him. But he's got bigger problems than any of us have ever had. But you need to understand that problems do not eliminate people from doing stuff. That, that's why it, it's just crazy what's going on in the, in the world today. The political climate in America is worse than it's ever been in my 54 years of being on this planet uh, President Obama was obstructed and ridiculed, and they tried to stop everything he tried to do for eight years, and people were upset about that. Now we get a new president who's being obstructed and ridiculed, and everything he's trying to do is, is being stopped. And so, so we got this, we're not going to let you get anything done because you didn't let our guy get anything done. Well, if you don't let the old guy get anything done, and you don't let the new guy get anything done, guess what's getting done in America? Hmm. So what we got to learn is that problems do not disqualify or eliminate you from doing stuff. 
We could look at any leader and pick them apart and say, well, that can't be my leader because I don't like this, 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 and this about them. I personally, I've been in the Army. I, I, I've been a soldier. I've followed leaders. I wouldn't want to follow a leader with leprosy too close, though. Because that's a contagious issue. What I want us to see from this this morning, the issues that you have that you think aren't bothering anybody but yourself are probably contagious too. Things that are eating at you on the inside begin to impact people around you when they are left undealt with. See, Naaman had an issue he couldn't deal with. Naaman had an issue that the doctors couldn't deal with. Leprosy was uncurable, left untreated, left, left, left into its natural course would end up in death. But I need us to understand that not only do great people have problems, they have real problems. Many times they have big problems, but it's okay to follow a leader who has issues. If you live long enough, you or if you ever go in the military, you're going to work for somebody who's dumber than you. Y'all hear me? If you live long enough and you go to work in corporate America, you're going to work for somebody who's dumber than you. You're going to work for somebody who's not as gifted as you, not as qualified as you. Should have never been your boss, and you're going to scratch your head and wonder, what were they thinking putting this idiot in charge of all this? But we need to learn to realize that we need to be able to not only view the reality of the situation, but we need to learn how to follow imperfect people. Because if you ever hope to be good at what you do, you got to learn, before you can ever be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. See, Naaman, he's got all these issues, serious issues, but people still followed him. He didn't win these victories by himself. He won his victories because he led others into battle. He was still effective even with problems. And I want you to know, as you go, your healing will come if you do what God tells you to do. But you can't wait till you get healed until you start doing what God has for you to do. Too many people are sitting back waiting on ministry until everything lines up for them. The Bible says if you wait for perfect conditions to do something, you'll never do anything. It's never going to be a perfect day to go out and do something. That's why I tell young people, married young people. Y'all hear what I said? Married young people. Say married. I tell married young people, go ahead and have them kids. Well, we want to wait till we, we, we get, you know, the house that we want. We, we want to wait until, you know, we, we've got our 401K funded to about $17 million. So we'll be able, listen, go ahead and have them children. It ain't going to be no perfect time for you to have kids. They're going to mess your world up. They're going to cost you a whole lot of money. They're going to be what it's going to be. Some of y'all waiting to fulfill your dream of education. Well, I'm going to go back to school once we have X, Y, and Z. Listen, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Waiting for perfect conditions is antithetical to Christianity. It's, and so many people are waiting to get involved in ministry until their spouse comes along at the right level, and until their kids get to the next grade. Listen, there's always going to be something to hold you back if you let something hold you back. Don't let anything hold you back. Chase your dream. Go do what you want to do. If, if you have a dream inside you to, to 
get more education, start getting more education. If you can't afford it, get read. You can get a book. Listen, people tell me, I've had so many people say, Pastor Scott, I wish I knew as much about the Bible as you do, but I, I didn't get the opportunity to go to Bible college and seminary the way you did. 95% of what I ever learned about the Bible, I did not learn in a classroom. I learned in my study. All you have to do, if you want to learn more, if you want to be an expert in something, you don't necessarily have to go to college for it. You just need to learn how to appreciate reading. Well, I don't like to read. Well, a lot of people don't like to work out, but the ones that are swole, they do it anyway. Look up swole. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Naaman was a great leader with many problems. People followed him in spite of his problems, and he was effective. Listen, one of the reasons I believe he was effective is because, not because he was in authority. Now, he was general. He was, he was commander over the whole army. He was in authority, but he was also under authority. You will never be effective in what God has called you to do until you learn how to operate under authority. He was a man in authority, but under authority. Jesus was a man in authority, but under authority. Jesus, when he was in doing his earthly ministry, he had a Roman soldier come up to him, wanted Jesus to heal somebody. Jesus said, well, come on, let's go. The soldier said, you don't even have to go. Just speak the word. I'm, I'm a man just like you. I'm a man in authority. I have men that work for me. They come and go as I tell them to come and go. But he was also under the king's authority. And Jesus said of that man, I haven't seen this kind of faith nowhere. The kind of faith that realizes that someone who is powerful can get things done, the kind of faith that operates in authority, under authority, is the type of person that God can use. So whatever level of authority you have in the earth, and we all have some level of authority. You're, you're a husband or a wife. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're, you're, you've, you've got some type of authority in the earth. You're a man. You're a woman. You've got some type of authority in the earth. But to be great in authority, you have to be, learn how to be great under authority. And this was part of Naaman's key to success. And even though he was successful, he had great problems. I can remember asking Bishop one time early in ministry we were talking about some problems of the church we started with 16 adults it's small it was no money and going through some things and I asked him when at what point do these problems in church growth go away and he said something so profound I'll never forget it he said never He said, it doesn't matter how large your church gets, Scott. It doesn't matter how much money's in the, in the bank account. It doesn't matter how big the budget gets. There's always problems. And, 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 and the bigger things get in life, the bigger the problems get in life. You, you're never going to get to a point in your life, if you're trying to get to a point in your life where you don't have problems anymore so you can move on and chase your dreams, you're never going to chase your dreams. So put that out of your mind. Put problems disqualifying you out of your mind. Put trying to wait till you get perfect to do something out of your mind because we all have issues. I'm going to say it again because some, some of y'all busy talking to each other, reading, reading your phone. Listen, we all have issues. Everyone has issues. That's why you shouldn't waste your time talking about anybody's issues. Why waste your time talking about politicians' issues when you have issues? Mm, that's a lesson for all of us. Just, just because you're awesome doesn't mean you don't have issues. And just because you're anointed doesn't mean you don't have issues. People got a wrong idea about Christian leadership, and that's because they've never studied their Bible. People who always want to vote a preacher out, people who left the church in a church split because they thought the preacher wasn't perfect enough for them. Listen, you need to study the heroes in the Bible. 
The heroes in the Bible couldn't get a job at most churches. I don't know any pastor who has cursed the name of Jesus publicly, fought against the church openly, murdered Christians for being Christians, and is currently pastoring a church. But the great apostle Paul in the New Testament, he was that guy. Everybody has issues, even people who are anointed. And Naaman's issue was leprosy. It eats him from the inside out. We need to figure out what's eating us from the inside out. What's eating at you on the inside? Well, what's eating at me is you keep saying the same thing over and over again. I'm trying to get you to learn something. See, here's the thing about me. I'm highly perceptive. I I have a strong spirit of discernment. And you just sitting there not getting what I'm trying to tell you just means I'm either going to say it again or I'm going to walk down there and throat punch you. If I stay holy, I'll just say it again. If I get in my flesh, it's trouble. We all have what? That means you too. What, 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 what did old folks say? If you point a finger at somebody, you got three pointing back at you. Actually, they said four, but they didn't understand. We need to learn how to stop casting blame on others. We need to learn how to stop fault-finding in leaders. We need to learn how to stop dragging other people down. Basic psychology, one of the lowest primal forms of stupidity that works in the majority of human beings' brain is this odd sense of if I can tear someone else down, it'll make me feel better about me. But it doesn't. Tearing someone else down doesn't make you feel better about you. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. If I was this and that, I wouldn't do that and the What? That doesn't change you. That doesn't change what's going on in your life. Tearing down another human being doesn't get your bills paid. So we need to learn that we all have issues, and we need to figure out what our issues are. Because any school of proper thinking will teach you that the first step in solving a problem is what? To identify a problem. Then you got to take ownership of that problem. You, you, you've got to be accountable for that problem, and you've got to lay out a plan to overcome those issues. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you, first of all, to admit that you have issues. See, everybody wants to cast blame and aspersions on someone else. Well, if, if I was the pastor, I wouldn't do this and so. If I was, my boss is so blah, blah, blah. The president is so. If, if you're just going to spend time dragging everyone else down, the devil's going to keep you so busy doing that, you're never going to identify what's wrong with you. If we went row by row, if we started with Elder Jimmy and we worked all the way around the room to Karen and we asked, what is the major malfunction in your life? What's your big issue? What is eating at you? What is tearing you apart and stopping you from being all that God created you to be? Some people wouldn't know what to say. Some people know exactly what it is, but they refuse to deal with it. Some people know exactly what it is, but they're so busy justifying it that they're never going to get over it. If you want to be who God created you to be, you're going to have to admit that you have issues, and you're going to have to figure out what they are, and you're going to have to learn how to overcome them. For Naaman, he he was unfortunate in that he had leprosy, but he was fortunate in that he knew what his issue was, and he couldn't hide from it. The Bible says some people's sins go before them, and others follow. See, you may have issues that everybody can see. I mean, if you drive up to church with 
I don't even know if you can buy 40s on this side of town, but uh, if you drive up to church with, with, a, with, a, with a quart of beer in one hand, a joint in the other hand, listening to gangster rap music or hard heavy metal music or whatever ungodly kind of music you blaring out of your radio, and you sit in your car uh, smoking a blunt and, and drinking liquor, listening to music hating on God, sitting in, listen, we don't have to think too long about what some of your issues are. Some people's issues are just some people who, who haven't been delivered from profanity. It's so funny. I remember when I was running my lawn business, I hit my hand uh, with a hammer, um, busting my hand up, and the dude that was working with me, he's like, man, I know you're a real Christian now. I said, because I, I just tore my hand up? He said, no, man, because if I'd hit my hand like that, I'd have been saying all kinds of cuss words. you want them real Christians. I said, that would make me a real Christian. I just don't curse. I mean, some people curse. Some people still, I, I talk to people in my office, come to my office for counseling and because it's just them being them. And I encourage people, don't put on a mask to be around me. I'm not going to put on a mask to be around you. And they're just dropping F-bombs and N-words in my office. And I'm thinking, you do know I'm a preacher, right? You, I mean, you know, we're sitting in church, right? You, you know, this is like, I mean, don't put a mask on, but, you know, at least rein yourself in a little bit. Uh, but some people, listen, if cursing is your issue and you do it openly, your sins go before you. It's pretty, pretty easy for people to figure out that brother ain't all the way delivered yet. If you're smoking weed, you know, right, pulling up next to a cop, waving at a cop with a blunt in your mouth and liquor, you know, in your hand, drinking and driving, your issues go before you. Everybody can see that. But listen, those issues are the easiest ones to deal with. It's the issues that other people can't see. See, you got this one lady, she come to church smoking, drinking, smelling like weed. I told you all about a month ago, this whole section over here smelled like weed so strong we had people get, look, they don't even sit over there anymore. They had come moved over on this side. And they asked me, what do you think about that? I'm glad. I want every, I want every, per, I want every person addicted to whatever they're addicted to coming. But, I mean, if you come in smelling like weed, well, then, then your issues go before you. We can smell that on you. That's easily dealt with, though. What about bigger issues? What, what about that hatred in your heart? That doesn't go before you. We can't smell that on you. Not right away. You get around long enough, we will smell it on you. We, we, that doesn't go before. People don't see that openly, but those are the harder things to deal with. Whether your issues are something people can see quickly and figure out about you overnight, or whether you're one of these all masked up churchgoers that says, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm blessed and highly. And you got every church cliche in the world going for you. All of us still have issues. Some are on the outside. Some are on the inside. But I want you to figure out this morning, what is it that's eating at you? What is your issue? What is your problem? I, I dare you, if you think you don't have a problem, please come see me after church. I will let you know what your problem is. Second thing we need to see from this passage, God can fix any problem. Eight people said amen. That is pitiful. God can fix any problem. We need to believe that. God can fix any problem. I had so many people come up to me after my wife passed from cancer and said, I thought you were a full gospel preacher. I thought you believed in healing. I thought you believed in a God that could raise the dead. And, and I do. I did, and I still do. And I still believe God can heal cancer. 
I believe God can heal AIDS. I believe God can heal leprosy. I believe God can heal you of ignorance. I believe God can heal unforgiveness and bitterness. I believe God can heal jealousy and corruption. I believe God can heal pride. God can fix any problem. Look, look, look at verse 2. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Okay, so Naaman and his crowd went and fought against God's crowd. They invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So Naaman, and God can teach us something even through a leper, amen? God can teach us something even through enemies of Israel. God can teach us something even through a slave owner. God, God's word says that they invaded Israel, and they took this little girl to be a slave. Look at verse 3. And they gave, this, they gave her as a slave to Naaman's wife. Verse 3 says, One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So here's this little Israeli girl who probably has been raised because in this time, Israel raised their children to know the word of God and to be very religious and have a very religious upbringing. And so she knew about the prophet Elisha. She knew about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She knew about Jehovah and his power to heal. But the, the miraculous thing is that this slave girl is trying to help her slave owner. Now, God said to love your what? Isn't that something? Then I say move in the opposite spirit? I'm going to tell you the truth about me. Um, I, I, and, and my kids have heard me say this a thousand times. I couldn't be a slave. I really couldn't. Uh, man, when they say on the movies, I'd, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. You wouldn't want to enslave me. You might kill me, but you, you won't enslave me. I won't be your slave. I'm not going to live in no adverse slave conditions. You just have to kill me, send me on to heaven. Uh, but this girl was a different kind of person. She moved in an opposite spirit. She actually was doing what God's word teaches us to do. She was looking for good for her oppressor. Let me ask you this. Can you want good for your oppressor? Or do you want revenge? See, because a lot of what I see right now in, in way of people wanting, in the name of wanting equality, what they really want is revenge. A lot of what I see people wanting equality is what they really want is violence. Doesn't matter if if, if it's my minority status on, on whatever whatever level, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's gender orientation, what, whatever it is, equality is right. Equality is true. Equality is what God would have us to have, and everybody should want equality for everyone. Y'all, this the mic must be off because y'all are not equality should be something Christians want for everyone. But violence and revenge are acts of the devil. This girl is enslaved. They stole her from her family. They took her to a country that was not hers. They forced her to work for this man's wife as a slave, yet and still her religious upbringing caused her to want good on her oppressor. What if we learned how to want good on everybody, including our oppressor? They ain't going to be me. I need to get my payback. Living under that type of spirit is not going to bless you. 
We need to learn how to move in an opposite spirit. This girl obviously had figured it out. Leprosy is a serious illness. It led to a slow, agonizing death. Uh, if he had been in Israel, he wouldn't have even been living where he was. He'd had to live outside because he was Syrian. Those rules didn't apply to him. But here he is living in his own home, got slaves living in his own home, and this little girl knows that God can fix him. I think every one of us knows that God could fix the leaders of this country. And they need fixed. God could fix the president. God could fix the Congress. God could fix the, the, the local town government, city, local, state, federal. But where are the oppressed people pointing the oppressors in the right direction? Where are the hurting and enslaved people wanting to see their oppressor get better. Now, I don't think it was because this girl under, understood that if he got better, it would make her life get better because she was already living in the second wealthiest house in the, in the city. You had the king and you had this dude. He's the king's right-hand man. He's commander of the army. She's, she's living in, in the best slave quarter she could live in, but so I don't think she's thinking, oh, man, if, if I just help name and get healed, then maybe it'll do better for me. No, I think she was just doing it out of sense of decency. I think she was just doing it out of a sense of, uh, you know, he's got a problem, and, and God, God's man can fix that. We know who can fix our enemy's problems. People, people ask me about going on marches at abortion clinics, going on marches in front of drug dealers' houses, going on marches in, in front of the brewery. I'm not going to waste my time doing all that. i got a life to live. And plus, if I was going to do something like that, we should want to help people, not hinder people. I'm not going to go block the entrance so somebody can't get into their job. Bubba and Tyrone working at Budweiser plant on the north side. They're going to Christians blocking their way to get in and make a living for their family. They're not, the, they're not the problem. They're just going to do their job. They're just in there trying to do their job. They don't block the highway, let people get to work. You don't block that navigator, I'll tell you that. People want to riot. People want to rally. People want to oppress and oppose. You don't overcome opposition through opposition. It's like Dr. King said, hate can't cure hate. You don't battle hate with hate. All you get there is just more hate. You overcome hate with love. You overcome evil with goodness. These people have been evil to this girl. They stole her from her family. She's a young girl. They stole her from her mama and daddy. They enslaved her, but she's still trying to do good. It's easy for us to sit and look at our problems and think about how if we, you know, if we were the rich, if we were the 1%, listen, I'm so tired. Stop, stop rallying with the 99%. Just live your life. Be the best you you can be. Love God. Love people. Let other folk do that. You got time to sit on a sidewalk holding a sign for five days in a row and you ain't got time to take a bath? Something's wrong with you. Now, I believe in organizing. I believe in standing up for what is right. What I don't believe in is fighting hate with hate. What I don't believe in is trying to overcome evil with evil. I don't believe in trying to overcome oppression by desiring to be the oppressor. 
this girl knew God could fix any problem. And so she says, that she, man, I just wish. She, she told Naaman's wife, I just wish he would go see that prophet in Samaria because he would heal him of his leprosy. Listen to what the Bible goes on and says in verse 4. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Now, <laughs> Naaman is waking up right now. If your slave or your employee or your enemy told you, well, here's the problem, Deacon West. This is what's wrong with you. Ba 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 ba. And you need to go over here and let this man fix you. How many of y'all think the oppressor wants to hear that from the slave? No. Who are you to tell me? Go, go tell your boss. Well, I don't recommend this. This is just a hypothetical. If you went and told your boss tomorrow, listen here, lady. Your problem is you're ignorant and you talk too much and your ideas are stupid and you don't listen to your workers enough. And, and, you, and you, need, you, need a rec, you need a recommendations box. You think she's going to accept that? Go walk into McDonald's and say, listen here, here's what I want to tell y'all. Your hamburgers are whack, and I don't even know I'm working here. Probably not going to go great for you. But this little girl tells Naaman's wife what dude needs to do is go get healed. Now? If he was like a lot of people in America, who are you saying need to go get healed? Little slave, who are you? I'm the boss up in here. You ain't nobody tell me what I need. What do you need? And that's the, nat- that's the natural spirit. The opposite spirit recognizes truth from anywhere. Can you recognize truth from anywhere? I told you all last week this country is just determined to tear itself apart because when President Obama was the president, everybody wanted to criticize everything that he was doing, and no matter what he did, good or bad, people that didn't like him talk bad about him. And now that President Trump is the president, no matter what he does, good or bad, people are going to talk bad about him. People don't want to see the other side succeed. The Democrats want the Republicans to fail. The Republicans want the Democrats to fail. The rich people want poor people to fail. The poor people just want to eat. And they want the rich people to fail. Yes? Yes. Opposite spirit. This oppressed girl looking to help somebody. She tells Naaman. He moves in the opposite spirit. Instead of putting her in her place, he says, hey, good advice is good advice. Are you smart enough to know the truth the truth anyhow? Even if it comes from an unlikely source, are you smart enough to learn from anybody, even a slave girl? Are you smart enough to know that if somebody puts their finger on the truth, they're still telling the truth? Naaman catches a small glimpse of humility. I think it was born from desperation. And he told the king what the young girl had said. Look at the next verse. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gift, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. So Naaman goes to the king, which is not really the right protocol. In that day and age, you just didn't go have an audience with the king you didn't push yourself before the king you only went to him when he called you in you didn't request audience you got audience when he requested you but Naaman is so desperate to get his healing that he's willing to do unusual things let me ask you this if you're willing to admit you have a problem how desperate are you to get better 
or do you just want to take your problem to the grave? Your problem is not just hurting you, though, because it's contagious. It's impacting other people around you. He takes a wild chance. He steps out of the norm, does something unusual. He goes to the king, tells the king, hey, you know our enemies over there? We just busted them up. Uh, There's a dude, there's a prophet over there of their God because this king don't worship Jehovah. And he says, you know, this little slave girl says he can heal me. And, you know, I'm just tired. I don't want to die from this leprosy. But because the king admired him. The king allowed him to do what God wanted him to do, which was go to see the prophet. Does your boss admire you? Mm. Do your parents admire you? Hmm. Do your children admire you? Ain't their job to admire me. If you live the right kind of life, more doors are going to be open for you than closed. If you work hard even for your enemies, more doors are going to be open. If all you do is sit back, complain, and talk about what's wrong with everything, you're just going to have closed door after closed door. And you're going to have more to complain about. But because Naaman had done everything the king had ever asked him to do, worked himself into a position of favor with the king, when an opportunity came about for Naaman, the king was willing to assist him in it. When it comes time for you to get the promotion, will your frontline supervisor say yes or no to you? Well, they whacked anyway. I don't even like them. Well, you can kiss that promotion goodbye. You should live a life that causes people to admire you. Look at the next verse. The king had told him to go. Verse 6, the letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now, we don't know how much faith this pagan king has at this point. This king of Syria that... Naaman told him, slave girl said, they got a God that can heal me of leprosy. King says, all right, I'll send a letter to Israel. We already beat him down. We just stomped him out six months ago. I'll send a letter telling him he better do what I tell him to do, heal you. So I don't know how if the king's faith is growing or if the king just loves Naaman. He, he admires Naaman. Look at verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. So keep in mind, Syria has already beat Israel up, invaded their land, stole their little girls as slaves, and, and other people too. And the king of Syria sends this letter. King of Syria is a pagan. King of Israel follows God, sends him this letter. And so the king of Israel tears his clothes. That means he's in deep grief. Listen, if a dude beat you up last month, he'll beat you up again next month. I went to school. God be my witness. Boy, his name was Jimmy. I went to school with this dude named Jimmy. He could not fight a lick, but he fought a lot. And it got to the point where anybody, because if you fought this dude on Monday, Beat him down, left him unconscious, curb stomped him, just left him in a puddle. He'd come back to school and want to fight you again tomorrow. It's coming around the same way, son. You beat him on Tuesday, he's going to come back on Wednesday. It got to the point where people quit and just said, dude, please do not make me beat you up again. King of Israel don't want to get beat up again. He's already been beat up. And so now he's like, oh, man. 
You're trying to get me to do something I can't do? You just, you just want to come over here and fight me again? But he knew that God could give life. Do you know that God is able? The king knew that God was able. Look at verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel has torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. The people of God need to be willing to step in as problem solvers. We live in a nation that is in distress. We live in a nation that is politically torn apart. We live in a nation that, that has no direction. We live in a nation that if they had a direction, it's the wrong direction. God's people always have the answer. Because God does what he does through his people. So Elisha says, man, send him to me. Don't be so upset. There's a real God and there's a real man of God in this country. Look at verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Now here's Naaman. He realizes he's a leper. He doesn't sit back and say, I'm a leper, but I'm, the, I'm still the commander. To, I got problem, but I'm still in charge. I got more people. For, he doesn't just continue to live off his accomplishments and ignore his problem. That's what most people do. He realizes, yeah, I'm great and powerful, and the king admires me, but I got to get rid of this thing that's eating me up on the inside. And all of us need to do that. So Naaman believes what the little girl says about the God in Israel. Naaman believes it so much, he goes and talks to his boss about it. Naaman believes it so much that when his boss sends him, Naaman goes to the king of a rival city, a king that had a that they'd beat up just months before, and he tells them the story. Naaman believes it so much that when that king don't know what to do, and Elisha says, I know what to do, send him to me, Naaman keeps going through every step, every step, every step, not giving up, not giving up. Not. Listen, I want to tell you something. Start stepping towards your deliverance. Start walking in the right direction. Start doing what it is that can get you better. He goes, he takes a... Why all this weight of silver? Why all this weight of gold? Why dragging all these horses with you? We could talk about the possibilities of what all those things mean, but one thing they mean for sure, it's harder to drag around hundreds of pounds of silver and gold with you than it is to walk there yourself. Work. Work. You heard me say it a thousand times. Prayer is great. But if you want prayer to work, you got to put feet to your prayer. Naaman is putting feet to his prayer. He's putting feet to his prayer in an adverse situation. He's already sick physically. He's bouncing from place to place to place to place, carrying heavy stuff with him because he's determined to get his answer. Some of y'all applied to college, didn't have the money to go. Let your dream go. Some of y'all wanted to start a business, didn't work out. Some of y'all, you know, tried to chase your dream and failed at it. You just don't write it off forever and say, I'm done. You keep pressing. You keep going. You walk and you walk and you No matter how much load you have to carry, if you ever want to get to where God has for you, you got to press on. Press your way. Naaman is pressing his way. He just got told, no, go somewhere else. Look at verse 10. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. 
Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. Okay, so here we got the story. Name is pressing. He's walking. He's stepping. He's doing everything that he's been told to do. But now he comes to the place where they finally said, this is going to be the last stop. Come to see Elisha. Elisha told the king to send me to him. Elisha sent for me. <laughs> you go, if I tell you, go, go to Deacon West's house. He's got some papers I want you to pick up. Uh, go to, no, go to Deacon West's house. Uh, he, he's, 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 got, he's, got, he's got something, he's going to sign something for you that's going to help you advance in life. And you go to Deacon West's house and you say, uh, Pastor Scott told me that you told him to come see you. And you go to his house and you knock on the door and he sends his child out to talk to you. <laughs> what? You told the king to send me to you. You said, come, come to me. And here I am. And you send a messenger out. And you tell me, I'm not here to go wash myself in no Jordan River. You, I came to see you. You said that you told the king that you were going to heal me. Now you're talking about go wash myself in a Jordan River. Look at verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. <laughs> He's pouting now. And this is what so many people do on the road to deliverance. They, they know they got a problem. They know they got a dream. They know they got, they got things in their way stopping them from being everything they want to be. So they start moving in the right direction. Then they face adversity. If they're strong of spirit, they press their way through adversity to get to, guess what, more adversity. And if they're strong to press through more adversity, they keep pressing their way to get to, guess what, even more adversity. And then when they come up against even more adversity, then they hear some crazy jacked up, I didn't expect to hear that. And then if they're not strong of spirit, they walk away sad. Forget it. Let's just go home. I thought he'd certainly come out to meet me. <laughs> Naaman's proud. A proud leper. Imagine that. Tore up from the floor up, literally. I thought he'd come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. I thought he was going to come out and have a song, a dance, a show, sprinkle magic dust on me, say some voodoo magic words, and I was going to be all better. Look at verse 12. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and the far part better than any of the rivers of Israel? Oh, now he's, in, now he's feeling himself. Now he's off this whole little slave girl told me. Go see these fools. We just beat them up months ago. What are they going to do for me? They, they got, he wanted me to go wash in this little Jordan River. It's muddy. It, 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 ain't, it ain't nearly as nice as the rivers we have. And now he's going back into his pride. He took humility to take advice from a slave girl, but now he's going back in his pride. Take humility, it'll get you moving in the right direction. Your pride will send you going the other way. And so he said, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. See, he wants it how he wants it. Y'all hear that? He, and not a whole lot of difference there than between what's going on in our lives today. Third and last thing I want you to see. If you want to be delivered, you have to obey the Word of God. You don't get deliverance on your terms. You don't get delivered the way you expected it should be. It's not always going to work out the way you envisioned it working out. 
But guess what? If you want to be delivered, you keep pressing and you do everything the way God tells you to do it. Obedience is the key. You got to do what God tells you to do. See, Naaman was a proud man. He, he, had a, he had a different idea about the way he should get healed. He didn't like the fact that the prophet didn't come out to see him. He, he, was, he, he was told what he was told to do didn't line up with the way he thought it should be. Well, I don't believe that's the way God works. Well, if that's what the Bible says, then that's the way God works. It, it just it, It's befuddling to me when I tell people what the Word of God says for their answer. Well, I just don't believe that. And I, just, I, I, just, I just I disagree with that. You disagree with the Bible? You came to me asking advice from a Christian. I tell you what the Bible says. Well, God, I, I have a special arrangement with God. No, you don't. God doesn't have special arrangements with people because the Bible says God's not a respecter of people. He doesn't put you off on a special island by yourself. He's fair across the board. And Naaman thought he was special, and he thought that he should get it done for him the way he thought it should be done. He thought he had a better plan to get his own healing than God does. And I see this over and over and over again in Christians in our own generation. People know that they have an issue, but when they get told how to get it fixed, they don't like the prescription that God gives them. Listen, if you go to a doctor and you tell him that you've been having chest pains and he tells you what you need to do to get better, you should do that. But if you don't like his idea, you go get a second opinion. If you don't like that, you can go get a third opinion. Listen, because doctors are humans, they're, they're fallible, and there's one on every corner. But God is not human, God is not fallible, and there's only one of him. You can't get a second opinion on God. What God says is do it or don't do it. There's no second opinion, and if you want to be delivered, you got to obey what God says to do. But fortunately for Naaman, he was desperate enough to listen to something that didn't make sense to him. He, was for, he, he, he listened to something. I asked you in the title, does it have to make sense for you to do it? None of this made sense to him. His deliverance is going to come through the mouth of a little slave girl. That didn't make sense to him. The king sends him with all this weight of silver and gold. And the other king says, I can't fix you. That didn't make sense to him. He goes to the prophet. The prophet doesn't come out and even talk to him. That doesn't make sense to him. The, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Naaman was afflicted by two of life's greatest enemies that still afflict us to this day. A proud self and evil questions. When you talk to somebody about God's word and what they should do to get better, pride almost always raises up. And they want to say, well, I've done or I believe or what that means to me. That's just proud self. And then they been, begin to question. Why, why does Spurgeon call it evil questioning? Because anytime you question God, that's evil. God has the right answer. If you question it, you're looking at the wrong answer. Let's look at these last two verses and we're done. Look at verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, now see, there's just miracles going on all around this. If you don't read it slow enough, you're not going to get it. And if you don't look at life in the right perspective, you're not going to realize all the miracles happening in your own life. You ask somebody to pray for somebody. Somebody's going to the doctor, and you ask somebody to pray for them. They come home uh, still breathing, and you don't give credit 
to God. You're missing the point. They come home. You don't see a miracle in the fact that you got from where you were to park at 4401 Georgetown today without getting a wreck or stopped by the police. Some of y'all on expired tag, bad license, driving dirty, and you didn't even get pulled over today. But you don't see a miracle in that. <laughs> His officer name is mad. He's ticked. He says, bump this. We're going back. These fools, I've carried all this stuff all this way. They don't even want to fix me. Let's just leave. The miracle that his officers rose up. <laughs> Think about it, Sergeant Major. Deacon Cedric, was E-9, uh, retired Army Sergeant Major, commanded a lot of troops in his lifetime. If you're out there commanding people, y'all going to the firing range, you got everybody uh, got rifles on their back, they got live ammunition in their magazines, you, you get there, conditions don't look right for you, you're like, we're not doing this today. Everybody turn around, we're marching back. Some little E3 walks up. Hey, Sid. <laughs> what I think we need to do here, Sergeant Major. How's that going already? That going good? That is not going good right now. That's not going good. This dude raises up on the commander of the entire king's army. God can get his way, way through, done through anybody. You need to realize that. One of these subordinate officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, comma, Paul's on the punctuation. It'll help you, and it might even save your life. He, at least he knew how to talk up. If you don't hear anything else today, learn how to talk up. Learn how to talk to older people. Listen, if you're from up north, do not tell my children not to call you sir and ma'am. My children are going to call you sir and ma'am no matter how many times. And, and, and I don't understand. People get offended. And, I, I, and they're just like, uh, 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 don't, don't call me ma'am. That's a northern thing. Don't, don't call me ma'am. Well, well, they're not going to listen to you because you can't beat them as hard as I can. Learn how to talk up to people. Learn how to address your superiors. They ain't superior to me. That's why you ain't never got a promotion. You know how to talk up. Sir, comma, see if he's drawn a sword yet. Now listen to this great logic. If the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Oh, there's nothing worse than having common sense thrown in your face. <laughs> nothing worse than being slapped in the mouth with easy truth. Wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash. And be cured. Uh, there may come a time in your life where God wants you to speak a word to somebody who's up. Somebody who's your superior. But if you learn how to speak to them properly, God might be able to use you to get through to them. There's always a way to talk up to people and get your point across. Look at verse 14. Last verse we're going to look at. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Last four words after the offset comma, the last four words, and he was healed. Exclamation point. That's the, big, that's the big point. That's the big story. That's, that's where he was trying to get to. From the time this little slave girl, see, he, he probably had, had prayed to all his false gods for healing. This man had leprosy for a long time. He probably had tried every kind of way he knew to get healed. 
And then he went opposite spirit and listened to a slave girl who, who, who was a child of Jehovah and pointed him to Jehovah. And he goes and he's trying all these things to get to those last four words, and he was healed. I want that to be the end of your story. The Bible says we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. I want that to be my story. I want to get to the place where I could say of me and people could say of me, and he was healed. What is it that you need to be healed from? I'm straight. I'm good. I ain't, I ain't even worried about them. Ain't nothing wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, plenty wrong with you. You just don't admit it. We all have issues. What about you would you like these, the end of your story to be that God healed you from? Some of you just can't keep your mouth shut. Some of you, nothing. We got no, we got no music. Hey, even Saul knew music, music calms the savage Christian, soothes the savage beast. What about you needs healing? Are you willing to press your way or do you give up because it hasn't happened yet? Just, just realize this simple truth today. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. The scripture says keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on believing, and you'll receive it. He said go dip yourself seven times. I've read so many commentaries about why seven times. And church folk would be, well, seven is the number of perfection, and God wanted him to have a perfect, no, 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 stop being deep and trying to reach too hard doesn't say why seven times it, it it may be about completion it may be about covenant but but I believe it's simpler than that why seven times because seven times took more effort than one time and you want something from God God wants something from you you want something from God I don't know what it is but I do know what God wants from you God wants obedience from you he wants you to pay the price. He wants you to be willing, even as David was willing to say, I won't offer God anything that costs me nothing. One time dipping in the water was too easy. Two times was a little more effort. Seven times took a lot of faith. Why? Think about it. He, he goes in. He dips. Once. Still leprous. Dips twice. Still leprous. How, how, in the natural, how do you think he's feeling right now? Foolish. It's not going to work. All these people were looking at me like a fool out here in our enemy's river. It's smelly. It's muddy. Got better rivers at home. I'm out here like a fool doing what this man told me to do. Nobody ever been healed, dipping no times in no Jordan River. What kind of stuff is this? What kind of weird voodoo magic, crazy foolishness he dips a third time? Nothing. Fourth time, nothing. The average Christian has given up by now. This man not even a believer, but he's desperate. So he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. Says, See, God is not interested in partial obedience. God will give you something with more than one step because he wants 
total obedience. Your problem needs a solution. And that solution will probably have more than one step and probably won't happen immediately. But when he made that seventh dip, and the word dip in the Hebrew is to plunge. When he completely went under the water and came back up out of it, that was one. Completely, un not just splash a little water and say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, total effort, total commitment, total obedience. When he completely did what he was told to do, he was healed. God healed him. But God used Elisha to tell him what to do. God never said a word to Naaman through God's mouth. God said a word to Naaman through Elisha's mouth. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. This church, this, this group of unchurched people that call themselves Christians that have no pastor, that have no apostle, that have no prophet, that have no leader, they cannot be successful. The Bible says you believe in the Lord, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophet, so shall you prosper. Believing in God gets you established in heaven. You don't need anybody to get saved but God. Believe in the Lord your God so shall you be established. Believe in his prophet and so shall you prosper. Your prosperity is linked to the words in somebody else's mouth. Who is your prophet? Who speaks to you from God? Who tells you what thus saith the Lord? Your prosperity is linked to the words in somebody else's mouth, just like Naaman's prosperity was linked to the words in Elisha's mouth. You find these so-called Christians that don't go to church anywhere, you need to separate yourself from them because they can't prosper in God's kingdom. Because I, I don't need anybody but God. Well, That's true. But the God that we need uses people to do what he does. You can't pick and choose what you want to obey and expect God to bless you. That's why so many people are broke in this room right now. That's why so many people are still hurting. Well, I tried coming to church, and it didn't work for me. Well, did you, how long did you try? Did you totally immerse yourself in it? Or did you just stay on the edge? See, because if, if Naaman would have just went and kicked the water, didn't do nothing. it didn't do nothing, you didn't immerse yourself in it. You were told to immerse yourself in it. God's not looking for partial obedience. Well, pre preacher said, give and it will be given unto you. I gave and I never got nothing. Well, how often did you give? One time? Two times? I gave 28 times. Was it a tithe? Because God said give a tithe. There are people that won't give a dime out of a dollar but think God's going to get them from death to life. A dime out of a dollar. Yeah, but, but I make $480 a week. I ain't got $48 to give. That's because you don't give it. What if God would have said give 20%? There are people in this room that would have given 20%. What if God would have said the only way for you to be blessed financially is if you crawl on your hands and knees from Jacksonville to Atlanta and back. There are people who would crawl on their hands and knees from Jacksonville to it. But God has not asked some hard thing of us. God has asked an easy thing of us. He just said give a dime out of a dollar.
and you'll be prosperous financially. What about prosperous in, on the inside, in your mind, emotionally? You got, you got anxiety eating you away? God said, cast all your care on him. God, God said, come to him, and he'll give you rest. But you want to seek rest from pills and bottles? And wonder why you can't get your mind together? Because you're not doing what God said to do. God wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper you in health. He wants to prosper you in wealth. He wants to prosper you in your mind. He wants to prosper your relationships. But if you're not willing to do what he said and keep doing it until it gets better, then don't blame God. I've had too many people tell me in 35 years of doing this, I tried God. I tried church. It didn't work for me. I know that's a lie. Church, God, Jesus works. That'd be Keon, the personal trainer. Dean Keon, the personal, or Elder Keon, the personal trainer. And if I went to him and he said, Pascal, if you just go to the gym three days a week, follow these set of exercises that, that I give you and follow this dietary plan I give you, uh, you, you stop being so fat and you get in shape. I go to the gym. I don't go three days a week. I go one. You know, one, one's enough. He's just extremist. Don't take all that. I go one day a week. Three months later, he sees me. Did you follow my plan? You still look fat. I tried the gym. It didn't work for me. You know what he knows. I didn't really do what I was told to do because the gym works if you work it, and the plan of God works if you work it. His skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. He not only got healed from leprosy, he got better than what he would have got if he never had a problem before. So here's, here's what we need to understand. Last thing I'm going to tell you. The more jacked up you are, the greater your problem are, the bigger chance God can give you greatness beyond what you ever expected so everybody can see, wow, wow. Well, look at you. Look at Naaman. What happened? God. When are you going to let something so big happen in you that somebody's going to ask you, what happened? So you can say, God. If your problem is that you're unsaved and you don't have a personal relationship with God, the Bible says if you call on him, he'll save you. If your problem is financial and you're struggling with your money, the solution is pay your tithes and give offerings. God said he'll open a window over heaven, he'll bless you financially. If your problem is emotional, you just need to cast all your care on him because he cares for you. I'm not asking you to do a hard thing. I'm asking you to do what the Lord says. And if the Lord would have asked us a hard thing, we surely would have done it. But he's only asked us an easy thing. The choice is up to you. Does it have to make sense? Why do I have to? to get, God don't need my money. No, but you need to learn how to be a giver so you can be a receiver. What does it matter if, if I read the Bible two days a week? or I read the Bible all the way through when I was in high school. God said, give us this day our daily bread. 
You need faith for today. The choice is up to you. If I asked you, some people ask me for financial advice and investment strategy. If, if I told you to take X amount of money and put it up into this place over here, and it would quadruple in a week and a half. Some of y'all do it. But I got no guarantee on that. I've got a guarantee on if you do whatever God told you to do, God will come through for you. God always comes through. We just need to figure out what's wrong with us. What is your leprosy? Immerse yourself in obedience to God. Not one time, not two times. Fully. Until it changes. Immerse yourself fully in obedience to God until you get what you're asking Him for. Pray until something happens. Don't give up. Keep pressing your way. Speak up properly. Love your enemies. Look to be a blessing even to your oppressor. And God's going to bring good things into your life. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. I pray you give people faith to believe it. I pray that you'd help us to believe that if you'll do what you've told us to do, then you'll bless us even as you've said that you would bless us. God, I thank you for making all the requirements on us easy. We don't have to be beaten for our sins. You took our beating for us. We don't have to suffer and bleed and die for our sins. You suffered and bled and died for our sins. Lord, I pray that whatever our issues are, that you would show us what's wrong with us. Give us eyes that are open to see even our own issues and help us to walk in obedience so that we can walk in healing. God, I want the end of the story to be, and he was healed. So, Father, I pray that you'd give us faith in our spirit until our healing comes for all the world to see. And we will magnify you, and we will glorify you in our process, and we will give you the credit in our manifestation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.